people. It's Reg. It's Stone. And it's the Drake Appreciation. I appreciate. I can't even like say that shit out loud. <laughs> you don't appreciate Drake. I don't appreciate Drake. The sixth guy. I am just. I am you just. Are, you are a flognaw attendee. I apparently. am a flognaw. Deep down inside, I'll never forget. <laughs> I was. I was at the first Odd Future show in New York City. You know, with my old ass towering over these little fucking teenagers, tamping them all out in the mosh pit. <laughs> and, and I understand. I understand the, the mindset that goes to our future fan. And we're talking about how, you know, you had this artist, this poor artist who, who flew all the way from Calabasas <laughs> just to sing his songs. This, this is going to be like the chance of a lifetime for this guy. Chance of a lifetime. He's going to go out there on this big stage, do these songs, perhaps become a fucking superstar. <laughs> And this cruel crowd just fucking cut him down in the middle of his set. Mm. It's fucked. It's fucked up. It's 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 messed up. <laughs> and like, like, like uh, if if Drake, if this could happen to Drake, it could happen to any of us. Any of us. Any of us. You know what I'm saying? Invited to a festival you're, in you're, LA. Exactly. As VIP, <laughs> hanging out with all these super rap stars. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting clown of quinceañeras and shit. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's the big news of the weekend. Drake, like, was the special guest at Tyler the Creator's Camp Flognaw. Yes. And apparently, everybody was thinking that it was going to be Frank Ocean. And Drake shows up and the crowd starts booing. He, Drake, continues to try to, like, go through his set. The crowd continues to boo. Drake's like, I don't need this. I'm walking out. Surprising. It's a, is it though? I I I am surprised. I I I would agree. So to me, I get the whole idea because Drake is a superstar. If anybody, even if you don't like Drake, most of us will take a free Drake concert. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. End of story. Great performer. Great songs, hit songs. You could sit there and play two hours of songs that, even if you don't like, you've heard in various forms and places over the past 10 years. Yeah. The reason why I laugh at it is because if, if you look at the crowd, A, even though Tyler has gotten the little R&B glow up, not necessarily his fans have. <laughs> yeah. And they still kind of say the same. And, and to a certain extent, his brand was kind of counterculture. Like, Odd Future, fuck Steve Harvey. Odd Future kind of like, you know... Like we are kind of, you know, we're, we're like, they almost came out where it's very much like, this is the click and we don't fuck with anybody outside of this click. And so it kind of makes sense that even though Tyler's this dude, you know, doing songs of Pharrell, doing all these crazy tours, you know, beating DJ Khaled and fucking the charts that, and that's the crazy thing about it, that he's still an outsider. You know what I'm saying? As yeah. crazy as that sounds to kind of say it aloud for a lot of the fan base, he's still an outsider. So for him to align with somebody who's just represents a certain kind of hip hop, I can understand why they got mad. I would make an argument that if Pusha T came out, they wouldn't have been that mad. I'd make an argument if it was like, let's say, Uzi Vert, if it was Young Thug, even if like an older rapper like Gucci Mane. What they about, ha- go on, shoot. No, I was going to say, what about Kanye? Kanye, actually, sadly enough, only because it's that weird hype beast overlap, 50-50. But even then, I can imagine them going nuts over Kanye. Is this the idea of where, I mean, and it, it kind of goes to the bigger idea of celebrity and, and Missy Elliott. So Missy Elliott was on the read and she was saying how also as an artist, you have to prepare yourself that you could be huge, but it, we all kind of eventually fall off. Yeah. Not to say Drake has fallen off, but he's definitely, he's definitely at the top of the mountain and there's nowhere else but to go down from here. 
And I think a lot of that boring sentiment goes to the idea of where, A, you've got all these little 20-year-old edgelords, you know, you know of, from the burbs who think they're kind of cool. Yeah. So obviously they kind of hate on Drake is kind of cool. B, you've got somebody like Drake who, even though he's very popular, it's hard to make the argument that Drake is cool. Yeah. And, and like, the last thing is that, like you said, is, is the idea of where these kids kind of go to odd feature, you know, the clamp flog, nah, is, I won't say necessarily a celebration of things that are alternative, but obviously Tyler's built a brand of being this, you know, this queer, quirky, black dude doing what he wants, and Drake is the exact opposite of that. Like, Tyler is random, you know, I'm going to do all this crazy shit, yada, 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 cracking jokes. Drake is anything but cold, calculating, and not funny. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I will have to say, this, you know, it's not like, you know, this is a, it's like Coachella or something, right? You know, it's like, this is Tyler's show. This is artists that Tyler handpicked and hand curated. So, and I think that's why Tyler is upset. And he said that on Twitter, he's kind of like, this is a reflection of like what I'm listening to, the artists I'm listening to, and my taste. And like, I fuck with Drake. You know, uh, uh, Say No Ways or whatever is one of my favorite songs. Um, blah, blah, blah. So I think like Tyler was offended because like this, you know, it's not like it's like, I don't know, like Golden Voice or like, you know, Live Nation saying like, you know, Drake is cool. This is Tyler saying Drake is cool. But I do, I, you know, I also understand the flip side. Like, most of the lineup is for the most part like emerging and small indie acts you know like <laughs> um there's a, a gotta catch them all who the hell is that <laughs> don't know you know uh but you know like steve lacy you know even like her like who's not like you know huge but not small uh you know or like the kids are all right slow tie was on there so like you know i i understand like like when you look at the rest of the lineup, like Drake does not fit at all. Like there's no other, there's no Gucci Mane, there's no like you know why. Like I think his YG was on there, but there's there's no like kind of like mid tier yeah. to build up to Drake. <laughs> so I do kind of understand on the flip, like why people are kind of like, you know, I thought this was supposed to be more of a, a community carnival, you know, festival like of of like us oddballs, and you this like millionaire just walks in. Maybe, actually, I have a point. Maybe it's the idea of where, in their mind, like that we're not Coachella. We would never go, to, even though obviously if they, they would, go, if they would. But they tell themselves we would never go to Coachella. Never, you know. I'm out here, man. You know, in in you know in, in fucking Beverly Hills, in my parents' fucking five bedroom house. You know, I'm out here listening to real music, doing real things, going through real feelings. <laughs> and then suddenly I'm out here and I'm forced to face with this mainstream ideal in my face when I'm here in my fucking, my, my, my element of all my other weird quote unquote geeks who are also dressed up in fucking $500 Yeezys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, definitely. Definitely. And and I think, you know, it's also too, I was talking about this the other other day with somebody. It's just like these kids now, they know that they can move the needle. So they know that if they like boo, like they're going to like affect change, quote unquote. Whether you like, you know, like whether you like it or not, and I think now it's something where if you can make a millionaire like Drake like leave the stage, like anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, but going back to the idea of where like how it makes, because I'm pretty sure Tyler didn't necessarily pay pay 
Like whatever, if he even paid fucking Drake, he paid, he definitely got heavily discounted. Fucking oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the idea of where, and I, could, I bet you probably didn't because Lord knows Drake is on something like, come on, man, I'll just give you a feature. But my thing is, if I would, and like you said, how it's a problem for Tyler is the idea of where I'd be afraid because now you know, if as an artist in general, a you want to get paid, but b if you don't get paid, you want to be in a place where you feel fucking safe and comforted. Yeah. So it's like it sucks to be like, well. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, a Frank Ocean, but, like, let's say you're ASAP Rocky. Like, ASAP was like, oh, I don't know if I would go out there. If I'm, I don't want to go out there yeah. just to get my ass booed. It's going to be more difficult to get acts of a certain caliber. And I can't necessarily be mad because who wants to go out there and enjoy a fucking shitty time? Now, it looks like Drake is kind of taking it in stride. Because I saw him make a comment basically saying, like, you know, there, there was a Instagram comment. Somebody was just like, you know, bad luck for you, kids. It's on a 10-year contract. I'll be here every year until you're 30, you know. And I guess he kind of understands that the youth is a big divide there. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like if I'm like a Summer Walker who's kind of getting roasted on the internet because supposedly she's not a great artist, as if there's all these great, fully formed, fantastic performers in 2019. Yeah. But it's just like, I would be like, well, I don't know if I want to go out there if there's going to be like kind of fucking crowd, you know what I'm saying? And I can see Tyler's issue is the idea of where it's, it's, it's still a guest and you guys should be kind of thankful. Particularly thankful because, you know, Drake ticket is going to be fucking an arm and a leg. Drake is somebody who could headline Coachella, which causes, which causes, made up word, costs like 400 bucks now. So it's just like, for you to kind of go there for your little camp flog nor change, you should fucking enjoy that shit. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And it's funny too, because it's going to be interesting to see how, like, the repercussions of this are. I don't feel like it's going to be that deep. Uh, Drake... (laughs) continues to take L's and like bounces back. He's like the Trump of the rap game. The Trump of the rap game. <laughs> um, well, you know, also too, I, I do think that Drake's response was kind of humbling in a lot of ways where it's just kind of like, hey, this is probably not the venue for me. Like, it's all good. Um, you know, he's been like, I feel like this has been a very interesting year for Drake anyway because I feel like he's been winning just not in the ways that we thought, right? So, Hasn't really put out any music, but he put he produced like two TV shows that are critically acclaimed, like Euphoria and Top Boy. Um, he invested in like uh, esports and cannabis. Now his Toronto Raptors won, so like and he's who, been who are doing pretty good, also. Yeah, like even this season, it's yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, even without Kawhi, yeah, yeah, which is crazy. So like you know, I feel like he's been winning in these weird like ways. So you know, sometimes you have to take a take an L, and I think. I, I mean, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, but I think, like, he understands that he can't win at everything. Yeah. Um, and, look, you know, everybody needs to be humbled, you know, here and again. So, yeah. And, like, you brought it up, and the other concert that was happening at the same time... <laughs> <laughs> The, the other stunt casting that happened in the last <laughs> second. So, which is actually kind of interesting. I it's, it's actually a really cool thing for hip-hop that you have these two artist-centered, like, festivals happening on the same weekend. Which is actually kind of crazy, if you think which about it. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Shit. It used to be like, oh, you're doing, like, weird, obscure hip-hop. Well, I know, like, Travis Scott's a little bit more popular yeah. than But hip-hop, period. Forgetting about yeah. it. Even, yeah. Two hip-hop festivals yeah. happening, I won't say next to each other, but kind of around yeah, in the same... Like, yeah, yeah if, if same you, coasts, you know, yeah. within a flight of each other is, is insane. Within like a two hour flight. Yeah. If you're in Houston, you can get to LA really easy. If you're in LA, you can get to Houston very easily. So, yeah, no, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, but, you know, Tyler, uh, I'm sorry, Travis Scott, <laughs> his stunt casting was Marilyn Manson. Yes, the beautiful people, <laughs> the beautiful people. <laughs> and 
let's just say Marilyn Manson got a better reception <laughs> from a hip hop hop crowd in 2019 than Drake. <laughs> Let that like marinate and sell in. <laughs> a bona fide hip hopper, whether you like it or not, who's been producing hits consistently for the past 10 years, got booed. <laughs> and Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> the Antichrist. The little Antichrist. <laughs> Rips Bibles on stages. But I do remember him having a free Gucci Mane shirt. Yeah, no, I know. That went but, viral. So, you know, yeah, he's sold so, out so, the culture. But, you, but know? you know, Marilyn Manson out here living his best life. Hanging out with Dave Chappelle, like, you know. <laughs> but but it goes back to the idea of where even though Marilyn Manson is somebody who's gone multi-platinum, even though Marilyn Manson is a known factor in, in pop and rock, he's still kind of an underdog. He, it, by, it, it's, it's, he rode a wave that's relatively popular, like the whole sad emo druggy wave. That's OG Marilyn Manson. And he's somebody where he's still kind of an underdog character, where he's still somebody where you mentioned Marilyn Manson and fucking newscasters are on something like, oh, Satan worshiping, yada, 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 and all this and all that. He's, he's got a specter of him where it's still outside. And also, it's, he's still very cool. I'm not saying cool, cool, because you see some of those clips. Mr. Manson is a little, little Hank Hill nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, King of the Hill, Hank Hillish at times, if you look under the, you know, besides the makeup. But... The idea of where he's somebody where he's still an outsider, he's still somebody who's edgy, he's still somebody who's doing stuff that's seen, that's not necessarily mainstream. Now, obviously, shock tactics and rock music and pop music have been there forever, but he's kind of etched this niche of being like a cult hero. There's That's probably the easiest way to kind of say it. Where Drake is kind of the anti-cult hero. Drake is kind of, you know, super mainstream, super this, super that. So, And, and it's the idea of where I kind of like the fact that it kind of happened the way it is because there's an argument I kind of have where with music becoming flatter, I think what I worry about is the idea of where, like, kids, music that kids are listening to when they're 15 should be unlistenable to their parents' ears. Mm. And you kind of have that, quote unquote, with like, you know, I don't like this trap music and yada, yada, yada. But also it's weird because since everybody is kind of still listening to the same exact thing and music is kind of flatter, you've got like these, like Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Where you've got bands that are biting off of Led Zeppelin. You've got like these blatantly 90s R&B tracks that are somehow new 2019 R&B tracks. Yeah. And I kind of get why, but it's weird to kind of have that being flat. We've discussed this. We've discussed how you have all these kids going back and listening to this music that we were listening to. I'm not mad at it. Particularly, I think, with a lot of black music, we tend to see it as disposable. So a lot of these legacy acts don't really get the respect they deserve that they would do in white, in like white fucking circles. Yeah. Like, perfect example, I'm going to go see a fucking, the most obscure, there's a band in the fucking 90s called Fucking That Dog, which is basically a whole bunch of industry kids. I forget who whose kids they were, but they were kind of industry-related. Mm. Um, they were cool with a lot of, like, Fred Armistead is cool with them, oh, right. Maya Rudolph. And so I want to go see a concert with them, putting out an album decades after the fact, and they're going to have a good turnout. And it'd be nice if you had black artists have that same kind of respect from the 90s. Yeah. So I do think it's, in a weird way, it's actually good, the fact that we're kind of going back and all these classic artists are kind of still being played. At the same time, I think there's an issue where, you know, it's just easy to kind of go back and mind the old shit. Not to say that, you know, a lot of rock acts don't do the same exact thing, but I think what's been unique about black music is we're always pushing a paradigm forward. I wonder if the idea of where it's just so easy to kind of go back and steal these old loops and steal these old ideas, if that were kind of stagnated. So I kind of like the idea of where Drake is seen as uncool, 
where Eve right now you could bite Drake and people are biting Drake and taking that shit to the fucking bank. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and I will say about Marilyn Manson, uh, this is like Marilyn Manson, like playing a hip hop festival was like it's like a few years coming, right? Yeah. So you have like all these artists like Louis Ver- Uzi Vert, and even like you know when you listen to Travis or like uh, Twenty One Savage or whatnot. Even if they're not like biting Marilyn Manson, they're biting the aesthetic that Marilyn Manson created. Of course, created. yeah. And you also see kids wearing like Marilyn Manson shirts and things like that, not really because they were listening to Marilyn Manson. They love the aesthetic. They love this like dark goth aesthetic. It's it's a part of this kind of you know the American dream is dead <laughs> mentality that the kids have because it's dead. But you know it, it, it's it's a part of that that kind of you know new goth aesthetic that hip-hop is kind of co-opted nihilism yeah yeah so i'm not i'm not really surprised you know and i and again you you pointed out too like marilyn manson has been like this weird support of hip-hop um not just like you know supporting gucci Mane and like they have a track together which is actually pretty terrible oh not surprising Because, yeah, because that was, you know, this track was brought to you by drugs. (laughs) Um, But, you know, also, too, like, apparently there's rumors that, like, Marilyn Manson used to, like, uh, crate dig at Fat Beats. Oh, yeah, no, I don't. It's (laughs) back in the day. And, like, 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 I remember there was, like, a a picture of, of him doing it, but it was taken with, like, a BlackBerry camera, so you couldn't really tell. And it was all, all pixelated, but you know, I'm not surprised. There's I'm not al- surprised at all. It has always been a weird bleed over, but never admitted of again because it's hard to. And I, I feel like I wish because all right, here's the problem. So I feel like the rock establishment never respected hip hop. So at that time when you had your Rolling Stones, your Spin magazines, when they were doing the journalism stuff and kind of talking to all these rock gods in the '90s into the into the early aughts. There was always kind of hip hop was never on the table. It was yeah. always seen as. But there's always been small references of of people referring back to hip-hop. Like Kurt Cobain kind of saying he doesn't want to hear no right rappers because he feels like it's a black art form and he should respect what that is. You know? Oh, yeah. Like these weird things where you could tell like they were heads. It's the idea of where nobody really follows that line because of whatever, whatever, whatever. Even though, you know, you had bands like the Beastie Boys... You know, you know how many rock stars were rocking Public Enemy shirts. You know what I'm saying, kind of. Oh yeah, it's yeah, always no, been this bleed over, but it's never really definitely. been explored because you know the gatekeepers at that time were these white journalists, these white old guy journalists who were even hating on newer young bands. So obviously, hip hop was this fucking oh my god, that's not even fucking music. Yeah. So these guys get paid to write about music. So and and like I said, it's it's. I like the fact of where Marilyn Manson is able to show up for a hip hop show, and it's not cliche to rap rock. It's it's even though obviously it's a stunt, but it's not really a stunt. They fuck with the fucking vibe, and I like that. Yeah, no, it's like it's it, like, like I said, like it's probably less of a stunt than people people think. You know, yeah. especially if you're not been you haven't been following hip hop for the past like two or three years. Yeah, like it's it's not a stunt at all. Oh yeah, um, no, not at all. I, if Kurt Cobain was alive though, man. Oh God! Oh God! If Kurt Cobain was alive, <laughs> imagine all the bad collabs, though, because there would be, and he, you know, because I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I could only imagine the. It'd be like bad Jay Z albums with like bad fucking Nirvana loops. It'd be because I've noticed that there's always certain like like in general like same way how on both sides. Whereas it's like like I remember Jack White was like I don't like rap music but I like Wu Tang. 
So I feel like yeah. there's always these certain artists that kind of cross over, and obviously Kirk Cobain is one of those. But like you kind of pointed out with that Marilyn Manson Gucci Mane thing, it always it's always leads to really bad ideas uh, yeah. of what that genre represents. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I feel like somebody can figure it out between Marilyn Manson and and, and fucking like hip hop, like uh, Marilyn Manson, fucking Uzi Vert. Oh like, God, I, I'm sure they can figure it out. Twenty One Savage, I'm sure it, they can figure it out. Mike Will has a lot of beats that are straight up industrial. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, straight up. So that's the thing. Is it's like yeah. how do you? It's not. Is this? The, but like I said, the problem is a is who's making the music to understand how the collaboration would work. And B, these artists are all drugged up and partying when they meet anyway. So it's just like, how do we get them to actually go into the booth and do something that's fucking coherent? But no, no, it's, it's something where, particularly with someone like, like Manson, who, and, and this is where it gets interesting. He's not really a beat maker. He's not really a musician. He gets his beats. So the, 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 Manson, the reason why we know Marilyn Manson now is because his breakout album, Antichrist Superstore, was literally Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. He just bent, basically went in there, raided their hard drive, their fucking old school MacBook, you know, took all those songs and sung over it by with Trent's Blessing. And is telling that since that kind of that album kind of stopped, you could make the argument his follow-up album was all right. But since then, it's been a, a total drop in quality. Oh, yeah. So the thing is, I think for him to work with a hip hop producer who's a little bit more like cultural knows what's happening, it'd be perfect. Uh, if if damn, we're gonna A and R Marilyn Manson album. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, Clams Casino. Yeah, where where is Clams? Clams has dropped an instrumental album recently. Actually. Oh yeah, we saw, yeah, oh, he's back because he was doing a lot more mainstream hip hop. Now it's kind of back to the really screwed up ambient okay. the kind of sonic stuff yeah. yeah good for him so Mike Will I throw out there yeah Mike Will I would have Pharrell for the happy song <laughs> there would be one awesome like happy song where fucking he just does the whole little fucking you know the world's gonna be a better place and I'll never age cause I'm a vampire and Marilyn Manson comes in there like Satan so that's my <laughs> oh wait so who does uh, Mike Will does 21 Savage's beat beats who does 21 Savage's uh, beats uh, it's not Mike Will it's um uh, cause that's that's Open collabo right there. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's, it's easy. Zaytoven was is his big collaborator, yeah. which is kind of like basically Michael adjacent. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I I feel like it's it, it could happen. Yeah. I feel like you know, even if like a uh, Pierre Leborn, like I feel like some some stuff can happen. Oh, we're, we're they all just... play with that dark template. Oh, it's gonna be you know Marilyn Man- Marilyn Manson mixtapes out there. You know what I'm saying? Let's, <laughs> let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up. But I I I, I do I feel like though. Marilyn Manson is the shock god, but he's also a middle-aged white guy at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> let's it's, not get our hopes up. Uh, we can give him some bars. <laughs> and he's like, and I feel like his past few albums, he's just been trying way too hard. Yeah, no, it's it's like I said, it's 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 drugs. Honestly, it's he's somebody where. And I don't want to say drugs per se, but it's, it goes that idea what I mentioned before, where Marilyn Manson's height was, you know, the 90s, where we were still like, oh my God, you know, you could still buy CDs with parental advisories on it. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, if you actually listen to what he's saying and like look at the lyrics, it's not really that scary. The most is like is like pro atheist, you know, pro atheist lyrics. Like it's not like he's out there like you know, demon god, yada yada, Beelzebub, blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's just more. It's it's the shit you kind of hear now among academic quarters. That's just regular shit. You Dude, know what I'm saying? I feel like any Twitter timeline is scarier. Yeah. Oh my god. Than fucking my Marilyn Manson. Any Twitter <laughs> timeline is scarier. Marilyn Manson is a fucking wow. <laughs> 
Like, like Donald Trump is scary. Oh, yeah, by, by a fucking large. <laughs> fucking Stephen Miller and all his motherfuckers. Yeah, lar- like. By a large margin. <laughs> large margin. Ooh, all right. And on anyway. that note, we've ended our Marilyn Manson Appreciation Hour. <laughs> we'll be going into his uh, low-key hit, Beautiful People, following it up with his cover of Sweet Dreams. And we're going to go into a nice little segue of Crypto Grids, I think. Cryptograms? I forget. He had a bops. Little, bops. These are all goth bops. <laughs> goth bops. <laughs> but uh, what else? What other shit happened this week? Oh, Fader fucking imploded. That's my people. Yeah. I mean, this is something where, and I, I you know, I mean, long story short, the, I mean, <laughs> so basically one of the founders got, got is, is currently suspended and editor basically got fired. And there's been a lot of rumors and kind of like shots fired over the years. And I don't want to necessarily bring it up to gossip about it, but it's something I always kind of very found it very interesting is just from somebody who's kind of industry adjacent. It's very shocking about how whenever I talk to a publicist or somebody who might do a little more A&R stuff is always a woman. But whenever I show up or I get involved in anything higher than just like the first initial reach out, yeah. it's always a whole bunch of old to middle, you know, either old or young white dudes. Oh, yeah. yeah and it's definitely. always been an issue, a problem and an issue to me where the artists are basically male. So you already have that bias going in, whereas it's like, you know, males are seen as this great songwriter. You know, a woman, is, she could she could play a guitar, maybe, you know, yeah. is that I, you have that just immediate sexism, you kind of go in there. And what's been frustrating is, like I said, a lot of the cool people I've met in the industry are all women. And yeah. they never get above a certain level. It's kind of fucked up. And it's something I've always noticed where it's just like, oh, shit, I'm texting somebody to get into a fucking a concert or a venue or I need to try to get this or try to get if you were somebody here. And it's like, it's always a really cool woman behind that. But that, that's it. They stay at that fucking level. And it's something that's been fucked up in the industry for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things I noticed is like, especially now. I mean, I've been interacting with the industry, quote unquote, for like thirteen years now, and it's like you, like if you're a woman, you either like you're still in it and you're miserable, or you crash out and you're like out, like like out the game, like one hundred and ten percent. And it's really sad, and I'm not surprised about Fader. Um, I feel like every brand has had its comeuppance, you know, like Vice and like, you know, um, the music industry still is not gotten, you know, like, you know, just annihilated like the movie, you know, like the movie, TV and film industry has, uh, with like Weinstein and other characters, but it's coming, it's coming. And I, and I feel like, you know, I it's, it shouldn't be surprising to anybody. Oh, you know, in twenty nineteen, my my favorite and, was still even though it was years ago. L. A. Reid, how L. A. Reid just got out of the paint quickly. Yeah, but we all, everybody knows why it happened, but nobody knows why it happened. It was very no no scandal, but somehow uh, it's just like I you mean, know, like Russell Simmons. You know, like like you know, you have these people who are just kind of like people know, and it's an open secret, but still like not. Affecting them, yeah. Um, maybe like it needs to. Yeah, and it sucks because not to be funny, going back to the idea, these are cool people. These are people who knew their shit, who were smart, who should, who who honestly, if 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 they were in charge, it should be in a much better place across the board. But you know, yeah, and, and it sucks too. I mean, Fader is probably one of the most influential magazines in terms of like like who I am. Yeah. yeah, or um, even early Drake. They they were it, ten years ago. Fader was definitely I, on I, the finger on the pulse of the culture. Ten I, fifteen years ago, I remember even in college, 
shit, that's 20 years ago, right? They like the when Stankonia came out and it was like Outcast on the cover. And I was like, yo, this is so iconic. That was my first Fader issue. I'm like, what is this? I'm in like North Carolina. Like, I knew nothing about New York and, you know, like whatever, like New York quote unquote cool. And I'm like, what is this? Um, and then, you know, like 10 years later from college, I, I got invited to step into the Fader office. And I'm just like, I'm trying to be cool, right? I'm trying to be like, oh, yeah, I'm cool, you know, like, yeah, whatever. And like inside, I'm like fucking like <laughs> 10 year old schoolgirl, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is what, what we need to do with our brands. Like we, like these brands need a reckoning, you know? So like, even though I'm very partial to the Fayer brand, like, you know, like if some shit's going down, like, you know, then there needs to be some come up. Yeah. Destroy and rebuild. Yeah. You know, and and hopefully, yeah, I had a conversation about this with the tech industry now, you know, cause, um, in tech, you know, all of these unicorn startups are failing and now, you know, from the ashes of that, hopefully some people will learn their lesson and hire more people of color, more women <laughs> in two positions of power. Um, not because they think it looks good, but because they know how to run a, a better business yeah. than these, you know, frat boy dudes. Facts, straight facts. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. Like I said, like, I, I love the brand. I love what it represents. I love the fucking Fader Forts, dude. Like so many memories there. But, you know, if, if, if some shit went down, some shit went down. Yeah. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to take your L's. <laughs> Sometimes you got to take sound out in the back and shoot him in the head. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> new music. Yeah. Have you heard the FKA Twigs album? Uh, no. Ah, so I, we were off record, we were discussing it a little bit, and Iron Brow was kind of going in a little bit on the album. But not the albums, the early singles, because I was like, I'm not getting the FKA Twigs I want. You know, the crazy beats and the whisper vocals and yada, yada, yada. So I finally sat for this weekend, and the album was pretty damn good. I mean, okay. critically acclaimed. Pitchfork, I think, gave it a 9.4, which is crazy. Um, but that, that's have to not do. surprising. I know. Man. Come on. But um, They're kind of dick writers. Yeah. Sorry, Pooja. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but long story short, no, it's it's. I kind of get what she's going for here, and I, it's the vision. So the idea, the fact of where, you know, she's somebody where when she came out of the gate, she was working with a lot of avant-garde producers and doing a lot of interesting things as far as production is concerned, as far as the vocals are concerned. So produced herself, so she did a lot of cool things there too. And so this album is definitely much, much, much low-key than that, but it's also much, much, much more intimate. Mm. And so even though like the feature single didn't kind of jump at me, even though Cellophane didn't jump at me, I did like her. I forget it's her last single. Give me one second. Let me look it up on the computer. One of her last singles is one of my favorite, actually, period of, like, she's ever made. That would be Home With You. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, so I think it's one of those things we have to say with the album as a whole. Because when you kind of listen to it, it kind of, it's it's a it's an album. And I think I kind of fell into the trap of where, you know, where the bops, man? You know, where's this, where's this, where's this two point, you know, 2.53 second mp3 that's gonna hit me with the head it's gonna be all the bops and it's not she's not that kind of artist she she's wasn't an artist ne- before yeah, yeah. I mean, she may have like one bop yeah and that's but- the thing and so i kind of approach it from that perspective but as a whole it's fucking genius it, it, it kind of it's definitely and i hate to say a mood or a vibe but it's something where it's just much more intimate it's something you put on it's not so low-key like there's a part there's a song in the middle called uh, Fallen Alien which is just goes hard probably the hardest song she's ever had mm-hmm. but even that kind of goes to mountain and kind of crests down nicely it's just a really good piece of work it's cool seeing 
and I don't want to, and, and we, like I said, we try not to fall into that trap of where it's just like, here's this demographic, so this demographic equals that demographic. So I was about to make a fucking a Solange comparison, <laughs> which I don't want to, but I'll make a comparison towards Bon Iver. You know what I'm saying? Bon Iver. If that fucker can go out there and make mediocre-ass folk music with some fucking fancy synths and fucking auto-tune and make it all these fucking props, then fuck that. FKA Twig deserves to get her props, too. And the thing is, it's a great long-form player. Like, I wouldn't necessarily go out there and look for, like you said, bops. But yeah. if you're out there, you know, dinner party and shit, you know, doing a little fancy shit, put out in the background, you will not be disappointed. I'm a fan. Word, word. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on my to-do list. You know, FKA Twig has been very alienating to me. If you know me, you already know this opinion. It shouldn't be new. Don't dox me. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I'm, I, I was curious about this last, this last album. I, I'm hearing some good things, and you know, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to be in the mood to listen to FK Twigs. I just haven't been really in that mood yet. So you have that, you have that little joint. You know, drink a little wine. Lament about past loves. <laughs> you know, maybe a little scented candle in the corner. You know, crystals on fleek. <laughs> you know, looking at all of your old ancestors looking at you, you know, you gotta have the certain vibe, you know what I'm saying? Bubble yeah, vibe. So, uh, you know, put Love Jones on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I did listen to uh, artists that I, I tend to enjoy more than FK Twigs, um, Sudan Archives. Interesting, because I've heard this record too. Let's debate. I so all right so Suzanne Archives, I think she's you know L.A. based artist like her kind of uh, I wouldn't say claim to fame but like she makes kind of kind of eclectic music and she's a violinist but she also like kind of makes like different beats and just makes like different like I guess like um, sounds with the violin so it's not just her playing like is an orchestra she's like strumming it like you know, a ukulele and like things like that. Like she's like really kind of bringing out these interesting sounds from the violin. Um, she had an EP last year that I think you turned me on to, um, that I was really excited by. So she dropped this, this new album called Athena. And I was like, FKA or Sudan archives. I'm just team Sudan. <laughs> um, and I, I wasn't impressed by, it. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like she's probably moving a bit more like mainstream a little bit. Um, and she's kind of trying to be maybe a bit more like R&B star, I wouldn't say. But like, I feel like a lot of the things I liked about her previous work, her previous EP, she kind of abandoned. And I do feel like she's kind of trying to go a bit more mainstream. And I worry about that just because I, I feel like she's leaving back like some of the more things that made her unique um, in doing so. And I understand you have to grow as an artist, so I don't want to like, you know, come off as like super negative, but like I was just, I just kind of felt like it was starting to sound like every other like R&B artist, where it's like she was bringing something completely unique to the table. Yes. I I think we're on the same page. I I think, but here's the kicker. I do think, so she had a song called Confessions, which I thought was a good mix of the the old and the new, because we all can't live by avant-garde music completely yeah that no, a little I, bit so i thought that was i thought that song was a great tr- like like here's the thing it's not a bad album but i think and like your point is the idea of where when you kind of you know curtail your experimental urges you kind of tend to tend to sound like everybody else yeah and i think that's the issue here where it's not a bad album i actually like it a lot 
But it's the idea of where I, I did find myself after a while kind of getting drained because it's like, oh, I've kind of heard these songs before. Yeah. You know, not from her, but from countless other kind of, you know, alt R&B, like indie Lene. Rocky. Yeah. You know, it's it's just you know, you know, black, white, female, male, the kind of same kind of vibe. You yeah. Know? And the thing is, it's interesting because I was reading an article which kind of made there's a it's, it's, can't flog now for people who read the New Yorker and N plus one. <laughs> there's a, there's something called Legacy Who, which is like a big, big un, I can't say underground, but like you know, snobby, you know, pitchfork, but more even more pitchfork mm. like concert that happens in uh, Netherlands. So it's very, very underground, very avant-garde, you know, like yeah. Deer Hunter, not, not Deer Hunter, the lead singer of Deer Hunter, Bradford Cox, <laughs> curated on that stage. I was going to say, actual Deer yeah, Hunter you know, on stage. More Mother, <laughs> like I believe was one of the curators or one of the players, Cameron. But anyway, yeah, long yeah. story short, they pride themselves in finding emerging artists, period. That's their whole line. Mm. And, so, and, and it was an article kind of made a mention of how like, you know, around her EP, she played Sydney Archives and it was like a small room. Well, this album, it was like 200 people outside of the line, set start, none of y'all getting in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it kind of shows to how she's extended. And it's good, but at the same time, like I said, it's, I, and like I said, I, I hate critiquing, but is this the idea of where, like, you know, it's somebody who's got this idea of where she's really good at the, like, the guitar, I'll say the guitar, the violin. Yeah. Which is somebody who was really good instrumentalist. Her production is kind of flames. Her looks were kind of abstract. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to kind of see her kind of do play in the mainstream music kind of field. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of artists kind of do no. that. But I think when you're kind of doing the same old kind of tropey kind of like, this is a song about a guy who's got really nice eyes. This is a song about a breakup. This is a song about this, about that. You got to find new ways to attack it. And it kind of felt, felt a little a and yeah, it That's felt it very art, which is weird because it's still on Stone's, uh, Stone's Throw. Yeah. Which I was, cause I actually look, I'm like, is this still on Stone's Throw? Like, did she, like, sign yeah. a, a deal with, like, Sony? Yeah, and, and here's the kicker. It's not, a, and I feel like we're going to go into it hard. It's not a bad album. It's just the idea of where it's, like, for, like, a lot of this, like I said, it's, it's, it's I, I don't want to kind of go, like, like too hard. No, it's the it's, idea of where, like, you know, if it's got like as like half the song could make a really great EP. The other half felt like demos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like, and, and these songs aren't like her doing country. Yeah, like these aren't bad songs. Going back to the idea of the dinner party with FK Twigs, you could put this album on right afterwards. Yeah, and nobody's gonna be mad. Yeah, it's the idea of where you kind of wanted to see her kind of go for more experimental highs while still trying to make her music a little bit more pop. Friendly. Yeah, and, and the A and R is like a, just like a really good call out, just because I I feel like this is the time to be eclectic black <laughs> yeah and doing the music you know like fka twigs is blowing up you know solange is blowing and, up and frank ocean is, is the grandfather yeah, of this like, all. Yeah, yeah like frank ocean's out here so it's like you don't have to in theory you know kind of mainstream yourself yeah because like r&b right now what's popping especially on you know let's say the female identifying end is all of this eclectic stuff so like just you know take it by the horns you know you don't have to mainstream yourself you know like i feel like what we know of as r&b is like not going to exist for a while so you know like like do what you need to do like like be authentic and be yourself and i feel like he you know was probably not that with yeah. this album 
And I can't, like I said, I understand. And and the thing is, it's also a songwriting exercise. Is the idea of where if you're if you're a songwriter, you might say, hey, I want to kind of write. And like I said, I feel kind of bad. I want to write more mainstream songs. Nothing wrong with that. Is the idea of where you follow your muse. That's what you are supposed to create. And then, like from us in this, these chairs to lawfully say, oh, I should be doing more crazy shit. Maybe you don't feel no crazy shit. But at the same time, it's something where I do think that. You know, it's it's she's definitely somebody who I felt like could have pursued it in a more avant-garde way. There's still some great songs. Like I said, Confessions is probably my favorite song of her. That yeah. is on this album too. And like I said, I'm still gonna be listening. Like I yeah, said, no. I, I think it's I would and I would definitely see her live. So yeah. props to her. It's it's a really good it's a really good album. Like like even you know, and especially there's a lot of people who probably don't know who she is. Yeah. Like it's gonna be a really good album. Yeah. Good listen. Yeah. So yeah. I actually I still, yeah, I still record. you should long story short, listen to it, motherfuckers. Give it give it your own opinion, damn give, it. Give it a spin. Don't listen to us old ass people. These uh, these two Drake fans <laughs> give our opinions. Okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> uh, and on that note, as we go relax to watch some CBS. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for dialing in. And uh Oh, let me catch up on my episodes with The Good Wife. <laughs> Peace. Peace. <laughs>